Welcome. We are so glad you are joining us for the first ever episode of the Accessible God podcast. That's one of those names that needs to be like spoken of in a godly voice, like the Accessible God podcast. And then thunder. as we get a budget, we'll we'll add in. <laughs> we'll add in the, the yeah. thunder stuff. Yeah. Lightning or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, good stuff. But no, we are the Accessible God Podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Hank Jenkins, and I am joined by my co-host, the magnificent, the amazing Jonathan Campbell. Jonathan, well, how you. are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I appreciate it. I'm glad that the uh, the money I sent you uh, found its way into your pocket. So you, give me good <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, uh, well, yeah, we're we're excited. We're uh, we're excited to get this started. This is something that uh, Jonathan and myself have been talking about for a while, and so we're just gonna we're gonna get started. Um, well, first of all, let me say what organization we're with. Uh, Jonathan and I are co-chairs of an organization called the Association of Ministers with Disabilities of the United Methodist Church. Yep. Uh, and it, we are an association, uh, just like what the title says, of ministers uh, who happen to have disabilities. And our our uh, our goal is to advocate for people with disabilities within uh, the United Methodist Church, but not only the United Methodist Church, but all churches. Um, and we seek out to educate uh, leaders and people within the church about the uh, needs and uh and abilities and uh, uh, justice issues around disability. And we also are a gathering place for people with disabilities who are in the church to come together and uh, support one another uh, and lift one another up in that. Is there anything I'm missing about organization, Jonathan? No, I think I think you did a good explanation. Of that. Well, uh, let us just start out by telling you a little bit about what our podcast is about. Uh, so Jonathan, what do you see that the Accessible God podcast is all about. Um, for me, uh, to me, well, well, why I want to do this is because I, I, I think it's valuable, not only for me, but everybody, to look through uh, the lens of disability and examine the Bible, faith, life. And that's, that's what I'm really hopeful, hopeful to get out of this is actually to do some of this work myself and hopefully uh, bring the audience along with us. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I agree. I, I think, um, you know, our organization has been around for a while. Jonathan and myself have been uh, the co-chairs of it for about two years now. Um, but, uh, but we see within our organization and within the church overall, a need to get, um, uh, to get, uh, get word out about what the needs are and, and, about disability, but also how disability relates to faith and faith issues. Um, and, and, you know, there's, I think there's no better way right now in 2021 to do that than uh, by doing a podcast. Uh, you know, people, a lot of people are getting information about different uh, areas of life through podcasts right now. And, uh, and this is a chance for people with disabilities within the church to get their voice out and um, and, and we want to be that. We want to be a voice for people who have disabilities uh, within the church to, uh, to be heard about what their needs are and about what their ideas of faith are, what their ideas about how, how they see themselves uh, in the creation of God 
and how they uh, they fit into the body of Christ and the community of the church, um, uh, not just as uh, people to be ministered to, but people to be in ministry with, and yeah. uh, people who are really looking to uh, change the world uh, for the for the for the kingdom or king kingdom of God, whatever yeah. term or phrase you like to use there. Um, so who do we think, who, Jonathan, who would you say this podcast is for? Um, everybody, yeah. everybody. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I will get into this, but this, this aspect of faith, this aspect of life has been underexamined in yeah. not only in the larger scheme of society, but also in the church. And so, uh, this is about letting everybody kind of delve into the reality of uh, we all are finite. We all have uh, issues where we are limited. We all have uh, the reality of death that we have to deal with and disease. And those realities, oftentimes we ignore them. Um, and I think we do that to our peril, but we do that. And so for me, everybody needs to listen in and everybody can learn something if they're willing to, um, to, you know, allow it to work on them. But to be honest, we wanted to create this for a space, safe space for people with disabilities to talk, uh, to share faith, because I don't think most people that are able-bodied know this, but most people in the disability community, especially in the in the academic and intellectual uh, community that has folks with disabilities, the church is seen as the enemy. The church mm -hmm. is seen as the bad guy. Yeah. And uh, we think Jesus is beautiful. We think Christianity has something amazing to offer to the disabled community. But because of past horrible treatment and some real discrimination, the church is viewed as the bad guy. And so part of, for, the, for me, part of this is trying to share the narrative of, no, there's amazing stuff here. Uh, we just haven't been talking about it. Yeah, Jonathan, you know, I think that's such a good point. I, I, I think that a lot of people don't realize that um, within the disabled community, there's a lot of distrust of the church. Okay. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, that's for, for a multitude of reasons, but one people with disabilities for the longest time have not felt welcome in a church. Um, the church, when they do welcome people with disabilities and spend a more majority of its time either ignoring people with disabilities or trying to change them, trying to uh, uh, heal them, or really what they're trying to do is fix them. And a lot of people with disabilities don't feel like they need to be fixed. Um, well, I think too, uh, I'll just be honest, I think most able-bodied folks struggle with uh, the realities of finite, you know, being finite, like all of us do. We all struggle yeah. with that. But I think we kind of remind them of that problem that they don't like to deal with. And so when we roll in or we, um, we limp in or we have our issues, they have to face their own mortality. And they don't, you know, like any human being, they push back against that. Unfortunately, they push us out the door. Yeah, it's that whole denial of vulnerability, right? That Absolutely. denial of, of, of how our bodies are created to be, which is finite and fragile. Yeah, uh, and people don't want to face that reality because it scares them. It scares them at any moment in life. Uh, your life situation could be changed by, yeah. uh, by from for whatever reason. 
And I mean, it's it, that's natural. That's for everybody. That's not just. It's not like we're we're um, trying to make able-bodied folks feel bad. But the reality is, is they oftentimes ignore, deny, and try to discount us so they don't have to deal with their own feelings. And yeah. um, you know, and but that's not you know Socrates' statement: uh, the unexamined life is not worth living. Uh, mm-hmm. We're not examining life in its fullness if we're not dealing with. The realities of what it means to embody that and part of what it means to embody uh human life is to have disability to have disease to to deal with your vulnerability that's just life yeah yeah it is life and and, and it's a life that um that both you and i are familiar with uh you and i uh are are individuals who have lived with disabilities uh for for a long time um you know i i i was not born with a disability but have lived a majority of my life with a disability. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but so since we're talking about who we are as yeah. disabled individuals, let's, let's introduce the audience uh, to okay. ourselves a little bit and, and tell them who we are. If we, if we want them, if we want people to listen to us, if we want them to hear what we have to say, they have to know who we are. It's so cute. let's you tell think, them. It's cute. You think people are still listening. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? I always assume people are listening to me, and maybe that's why I talk too much. What I want to just say is, "Hi, mom. I'm glad you're listening." <laughs> is is mom even listening? Well, let's let's start with credentials because we in the West are obsessed with credentials, right? right. So let's start with credentials. I'm a ordained elder in the United Methodist Church. I was ordained in 2013 in the Greater New Jersey Annual Conference. Um, I'm not from New Jersey originally. I'm from Kansas. I also have uh, MDiv, which is kind of the pastor degree. It's a master's degree that um, mainline churches require most pastors to get to become a pastor ordained. And then I also have a THM in uh, church and society. Uh, okay, so for, okay. My credentials. Tell my for folks who, who may not be familiar with alphabet soup, what does yeah. THM stand for? Uh, well, uh, master of Divinity is the the... Um, degree again it's a three usually a three-year degree sometimes a 40-year degree that pastors it's basically pastor training Um, and then a THM is a master's of theology and you can do that in a certain focus I uh, chose the focus of church and society because well because I'm doing stuff like this I want to talk about how uh, our faith intersects with the ground of our life Um, and so um, I did my THM in large part because I wanted to do more stuff around disability and, and specialize in it for a year. And that's what I did. I luckily had some professors that really uh, encouraged me to do that. And that's what I did with that. So that's my paperwork. I don't know if you want to go over your paperwork so people know. I am an ordained deacon in the United Methodist Church, currently live in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, but my ordination is out of the Missouri Conference, and that I, I worked there and was ordained in, in the Missouri Conference for for five years. But uh, but to be honest with you, as a deacon, uh, we have some freedom to go and, and do um, what our ministry calls us to do. Um, and so right now, I'm not currently appointed in a tr- in the church. Uh, the main focus of my ministry is around. Um, disability ministry. And so I do that as the, uh, as one of the co-chairs of AMD. Um, I also do that through, um, currently I am uh, working on my doctorate of ministry through Wesley Theological Seminary. More credentials. 
more credentials. Yes, I have a I have an MDiv, my uh, Master's of Divinity from uh, from a a, a small uh, theological seminary in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is Phillips Theological Seminary. Um, it's uh, it's from our Disciples of Christ brothers and sisters. I'm currently working on my doctorate of ministry, as I said, through Wesley Theological Seminary. And the the theme or the focus of that is holiness, uh, holiness engagement, and mission in the world. Uh, and um, and I'm focusing on disability, uh, and uh, specifically how um, uh, I'm looking at how uh, our denomination or denominations can better empower, equip, and engage people with disabilities and leadership in the church. Because as I said, one of the, you know, it's really important to me that when we talk about disability ministry, we're not just talking about ministry to people with disabilities, but being in ministry with people with disabilities and, and, and however we see that. Yeah. And also helping them realize that they're called to minister back. I think that's an important thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 exactly. See, understand that people with disabilities have gifts and they are looking to utilize those gifts within the church. So, but, uh, but yeah, now, Jonathan, have you always been in, uh, ministry in the church? Um, well, I've been, um, before I was doing this, I was doing advocacy work for a trade organization that served people with disabilities for a few years. Um, so I, uh, we couldn't use the term, but technically I lobbied folks in New Jersey's, uh, I don't know why I made air quotes. On, I just made air quotes on a podcast. <laughs> That's how new to this we are. I'm making air quotes on the podcast. Uh, talk about not knowing the medium. But yeah, I, I did advocacy work around housing, uh, accessibility stuff in New Jersey, and also um, worked um, to get better treatment for what's called direct support professionals, people that work to care for people with disabilities. So I did that for two or three years, but then since then I've been doing church work. Um, yeah, so I guess another thing that we should explain is we both um, we both have disabilities, um, right? Which I, I think are the most important credentials for for us yeah, for this. Yeah, the reality is that's the most important credentials, and especially for folks with disabilities, um, it's important to know that we actually are speaking from a viewpoint of disability that doesn't allow us to speak for everybody, but it does allow us uh, perspective in, in this that I think is important. So I have cerebral palsy that affects my left side of my body. I've, I'm a lifer. I've never uh, not been disabled. Um, and I also have significant learning disabilities. So I have uh, what would be a cognitive or intellectual disability in Europe. We call it uh, learning disability, uh, disability here. Um, sometimes it's referred to as an invisible disability because you can't see it, of course. Um, so once I did a lot of testing and someone said that in the 40s or 50s, they would have called me phonics deaf, which means I can't encode or decode words very well. So every word I know how to spell, I've memorized. So reading and writing is, uh, sometimes it's laborious for me. Um, and of course, it, as you can imagine, it impacted um, me throughout school and schooling. So those are my disabilities. Um, I don't know, if Frank, if, uh, Hank, you want to speak to yours? Well, uh, I appreciate that you almost called me Frank, but I know, uh, I know, I don't know why I called you Frank. I'm sorry. I actually know who Hank is. <laughs> we are we are good friends. We like hanging out. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I don't know why I called you Frank. I'm sorry. Uh, no. Um, so my disability is that I am a paraplegic. Um, 
which uh, paraplegic means that I am paralyzed from uh, just below the waist down. Um, I am not a lifer, but I was in a car accident whenever I was seven years old. Um, uh, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm a 40 year old man now, so I've, I've spent most of my life using a wheelchair. I just want to, because that's a big distinction for folks who are able-bodied that might be listening to us. Please stop using the term uh, bound to a wheelchair. Please use, yes. use wheelchair user because it, it allows, I mean, Hank can speak to this, but allows him to access the world. It's not a bad thing. So. No, uh, and, and people with, who use wheelchairs will tell you that um, our wheelchairs are a source of freedom. They're a source of mobility. There's nothing yeah. binding about it. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, that's an interesting thing that, uh, that, yeah, thank you for bringing that up, Jonathan. It's stop using bound to a wheelchair or confined to a wheelchair because it's not confining. It's not binding. It's very life-giving, very freedom-giving. Uh, yeah. and it allows me to get out into the world. Um, but I've used a wheelchair for 33 years. Uh, as I said, I was in a car accident, uh, um, in the late eighties, it was an era in which, uh, uh, you know, wheel, or, uh, seat belt use wasn't as um, enforced as it is today. And, uh, and I happened to be in a car with my aunt at the time. And, uh, and we were in a car accident. Neither one of us were wearing our seat belts. Uh, those with spine injuries, we always ask, what level is your spine injury? Uh, mine is at the T12 level on, this, on the spine. Um, so, so it's pretty low down on... Um, as far as spinal cord injuries go, I still have a lot of mobility in my, in my well, I have complete mobility in my upper body, um, but uh, not able to, uh, to, like I said, move or feel my legs. Um, um, but yeah, that, uh, that gives you some of my background. Um, but, you know, this injury, um, I have not always, well, one, I have not always worked for the church. Uh, you know, I, I, and, and church work would probably have been the last thing from my mind for, for many years. I, I actually, my uh, undergrad degree was in journalism and my first career was as a, it was a short-lived career, but I, my first career was as a newspaper reporter um, at a newspaper in Oklahoma City. Um, and, uh, and I did that for a short period of time, um, got married to my wife and, uh, and my wife is a journalist also and uh, when she was pursuing a, a job at another in another city, we left that, and then I was left trying to find out what I was going to do, and kind of stumbled my way into ministry, into youth ministry, in fact, um, and worked uh, at that point ten years in youth ministry, and um, along along the journey of it, decided that this was something that I wanted to do with the rest of my life, but also. Um, came come to find that you know having a person with it being a person with a disability that um, I really became passionate about how the church and church bodies related to people with disabilities um, and um, and and you know that thing that we mentioned earlier about how people with disabilities don't always um, don't always feel the feel the most welcomed or uh, or don't always have, you know, the, uh, the most brightest, the, they don't have the brightest, uh, view of the church. And I came to realize that. And, and, um, uh, I, I have this deep desire to make the church or church bodies a welcoming place for people with disabilities. Well, really for all people, but specifically for people with disabilities. Well, I mean, and, the, 
yeah, the, the reality that so many folks with uh, disabilities have a negative view of the church, you know, as, a, as both of us are, are ministers and we believe that spirituality is important, we believe Christianity is a wonderful access point to God, um, we don't want to deny that to folks uh, just because the churches have been jerks, uh, you yeah. know, the history of the, the church is ugly. Uh, we'll get into some of that as we go through, but, you know, it's pretty dark sometimes. And uh, we're denying a lot of people with disabilities real good access to God because we, we've, we've decided to lock the doors, not God. We've decided to lock the doors. So. Right. And a lot of this stems around um, how, how people view disability, right? And it's how we it's how we view disability, and it's how we view what the Bible says about disability, yeah. and um, and all of that uh, in turn uh, affects how we treat people with disabilities, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, and and some of that it, it makes for makes for not the most welcoming of environments, um, and so that gives you a little idea of why I'm passionate about this area. Yeah. Um, and, and I just, I, I really, I, I want to help people within the church have a better understanding of disability, how to react to people with disabilities or, or how to be in relationship with people with disabilities. But as I said, also, I want to make churches safe spaces for people with disabilities, places that they can feel welcomed, um, that they don't feel like outcasts, that they don't feel ignored um, and, and pushed to the margins and they can share their and they can share their gifts. You know, exactly. Can, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and that they can see themselves and and I, and and this is the most important thing of all that they can see themselves as beloved creations of God. Right. Yeah, they can they can know what is actually reality. Right. You know, you know what we do doesn't change the fact God loves them. God loves them. Period. Right. But for a lot of people with disabilities, they don't know that, they don't see that because they have felt like churches, um, that they're only good enough if they don't have the disability or right. that their faith isn't strong enough. You know, that those kind of hurtful, painful lines that people don't think about when they say them and they don't think about how it hits people. Um, and so you have you have a lot of people with disabilities that just don't feel welcome, and and people even that wouldn't define themselves as people with disabilities. I know people that are dealing with cancer. I know people that are dealing with other diseases that don't don't feel welcomed in a church because they feel like the pastor or the the church is telling them, you know, because you still have this problem, because you walk in the door and out the door with this issue. Uh, God doesn't love you, or you're doing something wrong. Because if if God really loved you, you wouldn't be sick. If God really loved you, you wouldn't have this issue. Um, or because you have this issue because of sin. So something something happened, you know. And even if even if that's not said directly to their face, sometimes when we don't unpack this stuff, we don't unpack these stories, we don't unpack our theology, and we don't think about it. The reality is that's what we say, whether we think we're saying it or not. Exactly. So. Exactly. And it's that whole, it's that whole idea of what are these stories saying? And where do we get those ideas about disability? And so much of this work um, has to do with uh, re-examining those stories. And I think, you know, really important for me is those, those healing narratives from, from the gospel stories and re-examining, looking at what is really going on here? What is going on with these people with disabilities that Jesus is is healing or curing, um, 
and and uh, and what is he saying to them, and, and how do how are they interacting with those moments, and um, what is he yeah. doing? You know, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm going to preach about it on Sunday, uh, and I've avoided doing it for most of my ministry. I'm really going to tackle it with the church. Um, in a lot of ways, I've I've avoided it because. Um, we we completely miss, and we'll get into. It. I don't know if we'll get into it this episode, but we'll get into it. We completely miss what Jesus is doing and what his profession was, and um, and because we misunderstand it, we've we've gone about hurting people um, yeah. um, instead of doing what he was doing, which is was healing and lifting up people. Um, and so, part of why I want to do this is I want to correct and actually start doing what Jesus was doing, uh, because right. we've we've avoided it in the church too long. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's a good point. Well, Jonathan, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about um we've we've thrown this term out there a couple of times, disability yeah. theology. Yep. Um you know, a lot of people, you and I, we we work and we do a lot of research in disability theology and as such, we we tend to surround ourselves with other ministers who who do this work. So this is something we have surrounded ourselves in. However, if we are wanting to reach out to an audience that is beyond just that. Um, they are not going to be overly familiar with disability theology. It is, it, it is one of those, it, it is one of those uh, uh, marginalized theolo- theologies that doesn't get talked about too much, uh, yep. and people just don't know a lot about it. So, so what is it that we are talking about when we talk about disability theology? I think we're talking about um, recognizing that um, if we're going to take the incarnation seriously, if we're going to take that central doctrine of our faith as Christians seriously, then we've got to take the body seriously, and we've got to th- take people's bodies seriously. And that mm-hmm. means we have to embody our theology. We have to explore what it means to be human and how that impacts our spirituality, how that is, imp- impacts our whole life. And, and so disability theology is about uh, re-examining the narratives that we've taken for granted. It's about examining people's lives and putting them, putting the text up against the reality of of life when you are when you are living with a disability, and then examining where they connect, examining where they um, intersect, examining where they rub up against each other. Sometimes they do, um, yeah. But being willing to have that conversation where you say, if we're gonna if we're gonna be incarnated people. We need to talk about the bodies. We talk way too much about the soul, talk way yeah. too much about the spirit. And that's important. There's no question. We believe Jesus was divine, but we also believe he was human. So it matters what it means to be human. And so I, to me, disability theology is trying to engage what it means to be human, what it means to be a spiritual human being with the body. Uh, what does that mean in terms of how you live your life? And I, that's why I think it's, it's more than just for disabled people. It's for pe- everybody because everybody has a body. Everybody has limitations. Everybody deals with being finite. Everybody deals with that stuff. And yet too often in the church, we ignore it because it makes us uncomfortable. And so we ignore it to our peril, I think, we, because it, we're missing out about what it means to be fully human. Right. And, and, and disability is a part of what it means to be fully human, right? Um, you know, one of the, I think one of the faults of the church is, well, faults of just 
uh, humanity in general is that we dehumanize people with disabilities because, because once again, it's some disability is something that scares us or it's something we see as abnormal. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I I used to, when I was growing up, I used to say um, it almost felt like people could smell the scent of death on me. Right. And, And I do think that's accurate kind of it's, it's hyperbolic, but I think it's accurate way to put it is I walk in the door and they they notice what they view is wrong with me, and we'll get into that language. But what they view is wrong with me, and then it reminds them of of their limitations. It reminds them of of death. It reminds them of the reality that they're gonna uh, they're gonna die, and that scares them. I don't think they intellectually go through that process. I, I think it's just instinctual. I think it's lower brain kind of stuff. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, John Swinton, um, who is a uh, John Swinton is, for anybody who's familiar with disability theology, he's, uh, he's a, an individual who does a lot of work, uh, uh, work in this field. He, uh, in one of his, uh, uh, one of his uh, uh, speaking engagements I was able to, to listen to a while back, he, he describes disability theology as an attempt by disabled and non-disabled Christians to understand and interpret the gospel of Jesus Christ, God, and humanity against the backdrop of the historical and contemporary experiences of people with disabilities. Um, for me, I think for me that that part about the experiences of people with disabilities is important. Understanding the stories of the Bible, the stories of faith through the lens, through the experience of disability. Um, and that's not a that's not a view or a lens that a church has spent a lot of time um, uh, thinking about or, uh, you know, putting itself in because um, but it's it's one that you said that is that is needed for everybody. It, oh, it's cool. yeah, it's it's that it's a, it's a marginalized people who um who can tell you what it means to be pushed to the margins, but have something that they, they want to say about their experiences with Jesus Christ. Right. And we're missing, Um, you know, without every voice, we're missing part of the story, missing part of the essential part of the story. An example I'll give you is, um, you know, back during American slavery, during the height of it, um, white folks would read Exodus and, uh, not see freedom from slavery, right? They would not see the fact that that God was calling them to end slavery now, but yet the African American slaves that were exposed to that story, they saw it, they got it because they understood what it meant to be oppressed. They understood what it meant to be uh, pushed down and marginalized, and so they saw in that text, hey, this is a story about people that are marginalized, and God is swooping in to free them. Um, right. This, this, this. This does. This isn't just a story of a thousand years ago or two thousand years ago. This is what God wants to do now with us, and that's what I think is essential: is when you bring in the voice of a group that has been marginalized, been a bit ignored, and you listen to them, you will hear God speak again. You will hear exactly. God speak anew, and that's what we're getting at. That's what we're trying to do. Right. Yeah. You know, I think a, a great example of me for that is the story of Jacob. Um, and, and Jacob's experience in wrestling with God, right? Um, not only because, you know, in that experience, Jacob has changed and, and he goes away limping, which, yes, which I love, as, as a person with a limp, I love that story. He walks away <laughs> from God and can, he walks away encountering God with a limp. And 
that yeah. gives me the right to say, hey, you know what? I can limp and still encounter God, so shut up. Right, exactly. But yeah. but for me, what's important about that story is, is not only that he walks away with a limp, and many people would read that as he walks away with a disability, yeah. which I think it's important that we recognize that Jacob walked away with a disability. He encountered God and actually actually acquires his disability through his encounter with God. And yeah. and with his disability, he takes on a new name, a new identity. Yes, and that, that experience changes him for the better, which is another important thing that we'll talk about, is yes, disability can be difficult. It has its bad sides, but it can also be freeing and liberating and, and life-giving. And we'll talk about that too. That's what's important. Yeah, and it and it changes our worldview, and it changes um, uh, it changes how we see the world and how we interact with people. And as you said, so many times for the better. Now, I'm not gonna disregard. No, we don't want to it. Right, we don't want to disregard that with with disability, there is suffering out there, and there are people who who do experience suffering with disability. So not not all disability is grand, and you know. Um, there are some uh, people do experience suffering with disability, especially oh, as they have newly acquired disabilities. They're trying to learn how to live a new life. And, and, and it's, it's especially, though, too important, I think, to parse suffering, right? Uh, right. There is, um, I, I'll give you an example. Um, I, I've, as a pastor, I've been, you know, I've been blessed to, I know it sounds kind of weird for people that aren't, uh, pastors to say that but it's it's a blessing sometimes to be with someone when they're dying when they're passing mm -hmm. um to be in that moment with them it can be a very sacred moment i've been in experiences where the person is surrounded by their family and friends and their family and friends are actually singing and laughing and that's how they enter uh that's how they enter the next phase of existence and then i've been in an experience where someone's alone in a room and all they have is me holding their hand and that's it. And to me, that's the difference. That's where we need to parse suffering. Yes, dying has an element of suffering no matter how you go. But the reality is, is if you're surrounded by people you love, if you feel like you're in a community that cares about you and loves you, that experience is radically less um, filled with suffering. It's filled with joy than it is with suffering versus if you're alone and nobody's there with you. And so that's why sometimes when we throw around the word suffering, we need to peel it apart and, and talk about what do we mean when we say so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so once again, uh, let's talk about some terminology. What is yeah. What are some terms that we are going to uh, maybe use that people need to be familiar with uh, as we talk about disability theology or disability in general? Yeah, I, I, put, a, I put together a little hasty list. Um, and this won't cover everything and we won't we don't necessarily want to unpack all these tonight we're going to do more than one podcast you know so you're going to have to suffer <laughs> through this with us uh, hopefully yeah. it's not suffering uh, again mom <laughs> thanks for listening <laughs> anyway, hi mom one of the, one of the main things i think is uh, you brought it up we didn't unpack it uh yet but the difference between healing and curing because that's essential to understand what jesus was doing um, and I'll unpack it a little bit, I think, because it's worth it. Um, healing is not the same thing as curing. And what we mean with curing is think about our, we, we live in, this is another term we're going to have to unpack. We live in a, mod a medical model uh, 
mindset along a lot of times with dis disability disease, which means what we think about is what's wrong with the person and how we can fix it. So that's right. what curing is about. So for me, if I was cured in that way, what would happen would be I would no longer have cerebral palsy. I'd no longer have learning disabilities. For Hank, right. it would mean he could walk. Right. right. And he would be mobile, fully mobile. That would be curing. Right. Healing, though, is about wholeness. It's about the Jewish concept of shalom. It's about giving someone full and lasting peace all the way down. That's what it means. That's, that's what healing means. And we would argue, disability theologians would argue, that you can be healed, you can have that peace, you can have that shalom all the way down and still have your disability. And yeah. so that's the separation we want to make. And, and again, we probably won't get in this, into this tonight. That's, that's a little ad for our next one or our next couple. At some point, though, we're going to tell, talk to you about why healing and curing is so important to understand what Jesus was doing. Uh, yeah. So that's a little uh, tasty nugget for later on, right? Yeah, no, uh, that's good. What, what, other late, what other terminology do you have? Uh, image of God. The okay. idea that we, we're all, the, the, the actual term is imago dei. We're made in the image of God. Uh, and that's important for people with disabilities because we think it's something we often ignore. We're, or actually people ignore about us. They, they don't give that reality to us. The, the scripture is very clear. Every human being is made in the image of God. Everybody. Right. And yet so often people with disabilities, that reality isn't given to us. We're not, we're not given that uh, that qualification um another term i thought about well, well was, before you go on to that yeah. can i just add you know yeah. i think we've gotten to the point uh within uh christianity or getting to the point especially within you know mainline protestant denominations that yeah. uh, we can say the image of god encompasses both uh both male and female and and, and you know anywhere anywhere in between but we still have not gotten to the point where it doesn't mean able-bodied, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, when we say image of God, we're thinking of someone who uh, is uh, completely, and I'm using air quotes now, healthy, uh, yeah. upright, and, and yeah. walking around. Um, yeah. But term, it, the image term, of God is something beyond that. Term sometimes we use in the disability community that upsets our able-bodied brothers and sisters as temporarily disabled. Right. Because it's a reminder that everybody, almost everybody, if you live long enough, everybody will have some type of disability some point in their life. It's just a reality. Right. Um, and that leads to me, the image of God thing and the fact that we've not been, we've been denied that um, really, really comes into the reality of our, we need to reexamine and redefine sin. Right. Right. Because we have a tendency in the church to say um, disability exists because of sin. And right. so when you say that, when you say that, unfortunately, you oftentimes remove the idea that God is in us. God is our, you know, the image of God is in us because right. you focus on the fact that we're here just because of sin. Um, and so part of what we have to do, part of what uh, disability theologians do is argue that we need to understand that sin is not connected to death and disability and disease that we need right. to take those things, we need to separate those things, or at least at least nuance them quite a bit to recognize that there isn't a one-on-one -on -one kind of overlap between sin, death, and disability. Right. So that's- uh, What else do we got? I got uh, brokenness. Okay. 
um, I got a term I created, so I'll give myself a little TM here, power yeah. of limitations. I love that term. Yeah, thank you. Uh, accessibility, which we know most people think of construction, but that's why we named it Accessible, Accessible God Podcast, because accessibility means more than just the fact you can get through the door. It means actually being part of a community. Um, embodiment, we've talked about that a little bit, but we'll talk about it more. Suffering, we've talked about. And then, of course, medical model, I talked about a little bit. And then the counter to those uh, oftentimes are either called the social model or the cultural model. Those are yeah. kind of my quick terms that I wrote down. I don't know if you have anything else you want to throw out. You know, I, I don't really, I, I think you, you covered most of it, but the other things that when we talk about terminology um, or even labels, um, I get this question a lot from church leaders is uh, how do they refer to disabled people? Right. And they want to know what label or term we should use. Ask them. Um, <laughs> exactly. Ask the individual. Um, because, you know, we're all different. Some of us like different things. Um, you right. know, just like just like somebody um, in, a, in an ethnic group or a racial group might like to be referred to differently. Same thing for people with disabilities. So whenever somebody asks me what I should do with a person with disability, I said, well, have you talked to the person with a disability? Exactly. Have you asked the person with a disability? They will usually, I'm not saying, look, uh, people with disabilities can be jerks too. I mean, that's that's a that's a universal human reality. But a lot of people of, say that about me. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but most of us, most of us, if you come up nicely with a smile, with a nice attitude, and you're 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 curious, and you ask us, hey, you know, um, I'm just curious, how would you like to be referred? We usually will answer nicely, yeah. um, because we usually don't get people asking us nicely those kind of things. Now, now I want to warn you, don't go into like four hours of asking us questions. Uh, you know, we're not yeah. your science experiments, but you know, right. here, here's a wonderful idea. Build a relationship with us and then those conversations will be a lot easier. Exactly. Exactly. But, but, you know, when getting back to this idea of, of labels and terminology, I think yeah. there are two things that, that two safe bets that people need to go with. One is either person first language, which is a lot of what we've been using person with a disability uh, or person with paraplegia. And the idea behind this is it, it places the personhood first. Yeah, uh, and it, yeah because we're, and often, it, we're often ignored. We're often seen as our problem, our disability. Right. So we're asking you to flip that and recognize right. people first. Yeah. And it emphasizes that personhood within them. The other thing to go with is, is what's called identity first language. And that is uh, for, for a lot of us who, who tend to start live, who have tended to live within the cultural model of, of the disability. Um, I identify as disabled. And so I identified my, I identify myself as a disabled person. And that would be, what is what is known as identity first because I identify at, with my disability. Um, and the reason why a lot of people like myself will go with this is it's it's an attempt to take the negativity out of the term disability, right? Um, I don't under I don't see disabled or disability as a dirty word. And I'm trying to help other people not see it as such. And and because of that, I I I identify with the term 
disabled. I'm a disabled individual. And I see nothing wrong with that. In fact, you know, it's, it's a, a source of pride for me. Uh, and it, it's also something that we would say uh, within the disability community that gives us uh, some political clout. You know, it, it'll, it helps us identify with who we are with a certain group of people that has uh, a message to share with the world. Uh, and so, yeah. yeah. And there are some things that a lot of us disabled folks would, would probably cringe at. We wouldn't want you to use. Um, uh, there are definitely some terms, you know, what, there are some terms that, that I think get thrown around a lot, uh, cutesy terms or, uh, or metaphors that, you know, you're, you're trying to, uh, you're trying to, well, you're just trying to lighten having to use the word disability. And so I've yeah. heard uh, candy capable. Um, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Um, uh, one that gets used a lot. And, you know, there's, there's some mixed feelings about this term, but differently abled. I yeah. will tell you, I hate, hate, yeah. hate, hate not that fan, term. Not a fan. No. Not a fan. That, that again, if someone wants to use that term, and this is another thing, because I've had people do this. Uh, I had a doctor once do this. Technically, medically speaking, I had a stroke in utero. That's, right. that's actually what happened to me. And this doctor told me that's the term I need to use because cerebral palsy is oppressive. Here's the thing. I'm comfortable with cerebral palsy. I get to choose what my label is. Now, it took me a while to realize I had that power because I was just like, okay, the doctor told me to do it, so I need to do it. But the, <laughs> but the reality was I'm comfortable with cerebral palsy. If I'm comfortable with it, that's what matters. And so it's the same thing. There might be people that disagree with what we're talking about. If they want to go with another term, listen to them, you know, and don't go, don't go, Hank and Jonathan, don't, you know, please, please don't yeah. do that, you know. Yeah. Or, or I listened to a podcast once, they said, you can't do that. You know, don't do that. Let them define it for themselves. Um, right. You know, yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's a good point, Jonathan. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, Jonathan, we, we probably need to get close to wrapping up this first episode, but do we have, what are some final thoughts that we might have for our audience tonight or today or whatever part of the day you are listening to this podcast? <laughs> At some point, when you listen. yeah. Again, hi mom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna um, make you a shirt that just says yes, hi mom. Hi mom. Uh, the the reality is, um, I think I honestly I know this this sounds counterintuitive because we're we're saying we're gonna talk a lot about disability theology. We're saying even when we don't talk about disability theology, we're gonna put up the lens of disability to what's going on or what we want to talk about and examine it through that. And so I can I can just tell a lot of people without disabilities are like, okay, this isn't for me, but it is. The reality is, listen, you will learn something. You will understand your own life, I think, better if you give it a chance. I really do. As much as it needs to start with people with disabilities, we need to lead the conversation. We need to be listened to because we haven't been. The reality is I really do think, I, I'm serious when I say, I think this is for everybody and I think this will make a difference for everybody. So I hope whether you're disabled or not, you'll listen to this and you'll apply it to your own life. You'll examine it. You'll um, run around the ideas we're gonna throw out. And cause I do think it'll make a difference in how you come to your relationship with God and how you deal with other people. Yeah, you know, I have a, I have a good friend who is a disabled theologian with cerebral palsy and she, um, she is going to be doing some work around what she calls, um, well, first of all, there's, there's this idea in architecture 
uh, in accessible architecture called universal design. Uh, she wants to create a universal theology that that centers disability theology, but it, it goes around just as you said, Jonathan, this idea that disability theology is really a theology for everyone, and it's yeah. a theology that makes access to God available to everyone. Hence the name, the accessible God, uh, making making uh, God already is accessible to everyone. Yeah. But we need to help ourselves understand that. Uh, well, we, get, we as human beings get in the way. I mean, I'll be, you know, I'll be really honest. Why it matters so much to me is I don't think I would still be a Christian without it. I really don't. Yeah, exactly. And, and so I think it can benefit people in a lot of ways that feel like they've been marginalized in the church. They don't have to have disabilities because this speaks to the idea of what it means to be marginalized and the reality that God doesn't marginalize we do. And so I think exactly. that's yeah. exactly. Um, yeah. And I'm hoping along the way, you know, we're not just going to talk about theology. Um, yes, we, absolutely. We're, we're going to talk a little bit about pop culture. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, issues that deal with disability in, in movies or in, yeah. in, uh, TV. in music, TV, yep. entertainment. And we're going to talk about all that and how it relates to um, to theology, to scripture and, and how we see ourselves as disabled persons within that. So we, we hope you have enjoyed this first episode of the Accessible God podcast. Uh, we certainly hope that you uh, join us for future episodes as we get them out. Uh, we, will, we will share stories of experiences we've had uh, within the church living with a disability. I know I have a lot of stories I want to share, uh, specifically stories around people trying to heal me. Those are always fun. Oh yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, we will we will share some of those stories with you, and we we hope to have plenty of guests uh, of ours because uh, Jonathan, uh, as as we said earlier, we do not speak to the whole for the whole disabled community, oh, yeah. and uh, we uh, Jonathan went through opposing me with paraplegia. We are only two spectrums of the multitude of disabilities that exist in the world, and so we want to make sure that we have all those voices. Uh, here within this podcast. Um, well, we, we, uh, we hope you enjoyed this. We welcome any comments you might have uh, about, uh, about our podcast. You can, be nice, uh, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, say it again, Jonathan. Be nice. It's our first be, podcast. <laughs> yes. Be nice. But, uh, but uh, yeah, if you have comments, you know, you can, uh, is this a venue where I give out my email, Jonathan, or do we give yeah. out emails? Yeah. Okay. We give out emails, yeah. Okay. Well, you can email me rev.hank.jenkins at gmail.com or you can email Jonathan at Pastor J Campbell at hotmail.com and we'll have that in we'll have that in the notes of the of the episode. Yeah. All right. Well, we hope you have a wonderful day wherever you are, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again. Bye.